Episode 49, Playing Tricks on Students, 1989-2002. to 2002. A few episodes back, I talked about using trickery to get a point across to teachers. I wouldn't want the listeners to think that I singled out just teachers for my dirty tricks In 13 years as a principal, I had plenty of opportunities to include students in my nefarious schemes. I've already talked about my favorite use of trickery, catching smokers, and I related my best stories about catching skippers, but there were some other situations that cried out for inventive strategies. Here are a few. Our building housed students in grades 6 through 12. Except for 6th graders, every student was assigned a locker. Each locker was secured with a combination padlock. Students received their locks during registration, and they were expected to keep them fastened on their lockers at all times. Now, the office kept a list of all the combinations, but doing searches of lockers was not a high priority of mine. What was a big deal to me was that students kept the locks locked. The temptation for them to not do that was great. You see, our passing periods were only a few minutes long, and students had to change books for each class. So it wasn't uncommon for them to look for ways to make the process go faster. One of their favorite ploys was to place the lock on the locker handle, but not push it up to secure it. When you walked down the hall, you had to look twice to notice a locker that had a lock on it, but wasn't really locked. But I did look twice. Boy, did I look twice. And when I found a locker in this condition, I had a strategy that was bound to get the students' attention. First, I would remove the lock and take it back to the office. Then, I would take a heavy-duty plastic zip tie and secure the locker handle with it so that it wouldn't open. Next, I would stand in the hallway, close but not too close, to the locker. When the passing bell rang, the fun began. The student would arrive at the locker to find their lock missing. When they tried to open the locker, they couldn't. They would get more and more angry with each second 
as the end of the passing period neared. Sometimes, if it was a boy, you would see them start to reach into their pocket, presumably going for a pocket knife to cut the tie. Then they would see me and, of course, stop because they weren't supposed to carry knives. I usually let this scene play out until the second bell rang. Knowing that the student would receive an unexcused tardy, I would walk up to them and say, Would you like to borrow a pair of scissors? Inappropriate dress has been a perpetual issue in schools. Ours was no exception. I admit that I tried my best to avoid the aspect of this problem, including female attire. I always dreaded the telephone conversation with a parent that began with, I've been looking at your daughter today and... But I did not hesitate to address the topic of a t-shirt or top with an inappropriate message on it. I had watched previous administrations employ a method of sending the student home to change. I thought this was a terrible tactic. I could imagine the student going home, having a snack, watching a little TV, and then walking into class smiling as they received admiring looks from their peers. So my staff and I developed a different strategy. We kept a supply of t-shirts in the office and loaned them to students to wear when we confiscated the offensive clothing. The students only missed enough class time to change. One of the most important, important parts of this strategy was the shirts themselves. I would send Mary Catherine Lichtenberg to the store and have her pick the ugliest colored shirts she could find. Mary Catherine was also responsible for washing the shirts so that we never loaned one to a student that wasn't either new or clean. Of course, there were some times when the student would say something like, I'm not wearing that. I'll go home and change. And I would say, you can go home if you want, but if you do, you're not coming back for three days. And they would put on the shirt and go back to class and instead of being a hero, be laughed at. We didn't have a huge problem with inappropriate shirts. The way Marceline High School is situated, student parking was often an issue. 
There has always been a parking lot for student vehicles, but it required that students hike across the practice football field. Inevitably, there were students who looked for ways to make their walk shorter. When I became the principal, the most common way for students to shorten their walk was to park along Santa Fe Street in front of the high school. But this had always presented a problem for any visitors who came to the school during the day and couldn't find a place to park. I first addressed this issue by persuading the city council to restrict parking on the street for two hours. Since students were not allowed to leave the school grounds during the day, they couldn't move their cars to avoid getting a ticket. This essentially blocked them from parking on the street. Some tried to circumvent this by parking on a different street. I always got a kick out of this because the students sometimes walked farther than they would have if they had parked in the student parking lot. But the most brazen students presented the biggest problem for me. Those were the ones who parked in the teacher spaces directly in front of the school. I struggled to find the right solution. I didn't want to have the cars towed. That might cost their parents a hundred dollars or more. Parking boots were not common in those days and I probably could not have gotten away with such a drastic measure. I didn't want to let the students out of class to move their cars. They would just take their time and drive around before going back to class. So what to do? I tried imposing a $5 fine for parking in the reserve spots, but the attitude of the most affluent students was that it was a bargain for such a prime space. The answer came in a catalog. I found some stickers that were made to attach to car windows. The stickers were guaranteed to be as close to non-removable as possible. They said something like, this vehicle is parked improperly, and so forth. I would put the sticker on the driver's side window low enough that they couldn't claim that it interfered with their driving. The stickers exceeded my expectations. If you used a razor blade, you could get them off, but it took a long, long time. I particularly remember the reaction of one student. 
he had a very nice car his parents had bought for him. He came into the office to complain that he couldn't get the sticker off. He was so mad that he could barely keep from yelling at me. My smiling response to him? I guess you shouldn't have parked there.